I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. This is also going to double as the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. Coming off of, um, you know, I guess it was a dramatic Sunday, Colin, but uh, I was not particularly interested in the outcome because anytime a a 50% owned golfer, literally, you, you think I'm making that up, Webb Simpson on FanDuel and DraftKings was owned in some contest legitimately, over 50% went off on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 25-1. to 1. Wins uh, last week at Harbortown. And, uh, you know, just disgusting. Just tr- <laughs> truly disgusting to me. Davis, I mean, he was the top value in the Daily Rudder projections. So you can't be hating on the, the performance. I played him, but what's the point? Like, literally, yeah. Colin, what is the point of playing Daily Fantasy Golf if, like, any any given week where the highest owned golfer wins, I can guarantee it will not be a profitable week for me. Just yeah. get, I can straight up guarantee it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I flushed plenty of money down the toilet this week, all, all formats. Got close in a couple showdowns. But, like you said, I mean, I do think, obviously, Webb Simpson was a great value. It shows a little bit how the DFS landscape has changed because he was coming off of that miscut. And historically, that would be something that reduces ownership. Instead, it drops his price. Ownership is still there, even higher, and he went off as the highest zone player, wins the event. You basically had to have the nuts last week to win because of that. And there's always kind of a balance but and talk about whether or not you should play guys when they're the highest zone player or not. Obviously, you couldn't cash without Webb, but there were plenty of people who couldn't cash with Webb, including yours truly. Yeah, because, I mean, if so if we just uh, if we go back and look at uh, Harbortown a little bit here, there were a lot of cheap guys who did well. You know, Abraham Answer did very well. Uh, he was, you know, pretty inexpensive. Our boy Sergio Garcia that we touted last week, minus 19. Um, Dylan Fratelli was actually priced up a little bit. JT Poston, Michael Thompson, um, Ian Poulter, Harris English. Like, the le- the leaderboard like was... Like, Terrell Haddon, too, was... Yeah. yeah. Like, 
he was super popular. He's pro- probably the most popular value play kind of in that 8K range, one of the top two or three at least. Yeah, uh, so that was the guy that I did the leverage fade on this last week of just being okay. like, this dude's 15% owned. Um, he's Ian Poulter. I hate him anyways. So, you know, like, what's the use? Like, I just don't, yeah. I just, you know, I'm just not going to want to, not going to play this guy. I was pretty bummed because, like, Sergio, we talked about it here, and I was like, I don't ever lock guys, but if I was going to lock anybody, I would lock Sergio yep. this week. His ball striking week before had been among the best in the field through two rounds, but he missed a cut because of his putter. And the ball striking was then there again this week, again, among the best in the field. Putter still wasn't great, but it clicked a little bit better. And obviously the the top five finish at that price tag was what you're looking for. Um, and I think generally like that was one of the calls I got right, but I didn't play it aggressive enough. And I ended up kind of scattering on some other guys like Snedeker miscut hurt me quite a bit. Hideki miscut hurt me a lot. And Sungjae miscut hurt me quite a bit as well. So there was still some carnage out there despite seemingly a really good leaderboard by the end of the day. Well, I mean, the obvious carnage for me, longtime listeners of the show are going to know that, um, you know, when Rory McIlroy goes out and, uh, you know, ends up T54 by the end of Sunday, there's just not going to be a realistic path for uh, for me to make money because it's basically any of my good lineups were, you know, 75% to have Rory in them. And uh, so, you know, just uh, not not really great. I, I do want I do really want to make this point, though. There are no more you only take short hitter golf courses like i think it, at this point after watching um harbor town and what was the golf course we played the first week back colonial colonial golf course um like the the reason that these short bunters have won at these courses in the past was just because rory and bryson and dustin weren't playing them like like i just i just watched uh abraham answer and and victor hovland just like own harbortown golf course for four <laughs> days like, I, I just like i no longer believe in this um tricky instead of long golf course stuff yeah well the the wind conditions were also dead both days and so like pins you historically saw at playing as tough sunday pins guys were just firing at them like not scared of anything so, yeah, the talent changes things for sure. And we see that with the Travelers this week. Uh, a field that maybe five, ten years ago was really weak has become one of the strongest in golf. And obviously this year with the COVID stuff going on, it's going to be even stronger. Um, the other thing that was kind of crazy is just like the minus six, minus eight rounds that are out there, right. guys yeah. shooting up the leaderboard. And so it was hard to like really know where you stood. And like you could see guys making like, 14 stroke charges over the weekend and that's definitely not something that we're used to seeing yeah um which is uh i mean i i prefer golf to be that way like i don't do not ever sign me up for a u.s open uh minus three winner i i'm not i'm not interested in that in any way shape or form like i would much rather um you know be taking matthew wolf at 6800 than steve stricker at 6400 like i just that's just the type of golf i would way rather watch yeah yeah, the other ironic thing with, like, Webb, like, the chalk getting there on, like, strokes gain putting, of all things, was just, that's just how they draw it up. I mean, uh, that's how that's how Webb does it. That's, he gained, that's, like, half his strokes Webb with the putter. Yeah. yeah. I think someone in our Slack chat, I'm, I, I'm not exactly sure on this, but I believe it was reported that Sergio gained 11 more strokes tee to green than Webb, which sounds outrageous, but also Sergio was that good tee to green. Yeah, it's like, it was like, two almost two strokes i think that might be a little bit high but i think it was like almost two strokes um around on average so 
pretty aggressive. Yeah, Sergio was awesome. It'll be pretty interesting. He got like the insta price hike. That's something that we're looking at this week. There were other guys who kind of had big comebacks last week. Brooks Kepka looked like he was showing kind of some old form. Dustin Johnson played a little bit better after he'd kind of been Dust J for a while. Not not elite, but played better. And uh, Kepka got an instant price hike. Sergio got an instant price hike. And so you're kind of seeing some quick reaction in the betting markets and therefore in the DraftKings um, and FanDuel prices for DFS as well. Yeah, 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 for for sure. I mean, I, I think that um, chasing the Sergio price hike is something I'm likely to do this week because he was just so good, TD Green at Harpertown. But we're moving on now to the Travelers Championship. I believe it's at the TPC Highlands is the name of the golf course. Um, very short golf course. It's like just uh, from, from where the pros are playing, it'll be just over 6,800 yards. This is... Um, Famously on tour, the Bubba Watson golf course. He's won here three different times, which is, um, I mean, that, that is just incredible to have won a golf tournament three different times at the same course. Like that is, um, I don't know, it's very crazy stuff. And it's why Bubba is like 29 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook this week. Uh, I mean, just first of all, do we want to get out of the way? Do you want to tout Bubba? And uh, I mean, you know, I don't tout Bubba. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, it's just an easy pass for, from a betting perspective just can't be paying that kind of price for Bubba. It does become harder for DFS, obviously, just because his style of play is conducive to DK scoring. Just and, scoring, yeah. Yeah. And these courses, like that we've seen, the first two courses coming off of the restart have been giving up lots of scoring. Bubba's track record here, I think his, his price is in a place where he doesn't have to win necessarily. He could top 20 and put up like a couple streaks here and there and probably be pretty good. Um Course is one of the shortest courses on tour and as far as par adjusted distance that they'll play ever. So um, the distance doesn't matter from that perspective. But if you look at like the course fit, it actually had a little bit more predictive power than um, Harbortown did and a little bit more than the Colonial Country Club. And so I think even though it is short, it's a course where historically longer players have still been able to utilize that. Um, and so especially with what we've seen after the last two weeks, yeah, short guys can win, but the the top end players who are long are just as live as they always are. I mean, like, I maybe maybe more than anything, the move in both betting markets and in DFS is just to target like more aggressive players, like players you know who will be hunting pins, you know who are who will try like exactly like Bubba, right? Bubba is a tilt box, and if he has the ability to make some miraculous. Uh, draw shot around a tree and land it four feet from the pin, he'll try and make it as opposed to like just laying up, right? And, and you know, that's, uh, and, and it, because I think 20 under is like kind of like the new normal for these PGA Tour events now. We're like, if you're not getting to 20, you're probably not drawing live. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like that'll be the case. Um, I mean, it's the case the last couple of weeks. Seems like it will probably be the case this week, even though it's only par 70. A lot of times, like, the easier course is relative to par, usually the par 72 tracks, because you get the par fives mixed in there. But it does seem like you're having to get there, which is which is pretty crazy. Um, also adds a little bit of variance in there, because you just have to get hot with the putter. Like, you, there's no question about it. I mean, you can ball strike your way to a, a solid finish, minus 10 or so, but you have to get hot with the putter if you want to win at 20 under par. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I do love the um, the idea that, like, you know, all these people who are, you know, wanting NBA back, wanting baseball back, uh, you know, they're they're sitting here, they're playing 
golf DFS, maybe maybe for the first time or, or or seriously paying attention to it. And they're they're hearing on all these podcasts and, and all these videos and everything like, oh, you know, like you got to have the hot putter, but like don't look at stroke scan putting and then go, go watch the event. And, and last week. Right. So two weekends ago, they see Morikawa miss the short ones. They see Bryson miss the short ones. Um, they see. Uh, you know, they're in the playoff, right? Morikawa misses the five footer to to hand it over to Berger, and then this week they see Webb just run away, just knocking in twenty <laughs> foot putt after twenty foot putt, and they're like, you know what? I'm getting on PGA Tour and I'm stroke and I'm sorting by strokes gain putting and just playing all of those dudes. <laughs> hey, if everyone's gonna be hitting these screens, then maybe that's the move. I, I mean. Look, that I mean, because of because of all these things we're talking about, like these courses just don't seem hard enough to test PGA golfers at that level anymore. Like putting wizards like Denny McCarthy and Michael Tom. I mean, Michael Thompson was legit like there on yeah. on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was never like really there, but he was there for sure. And I I think especially you know at Daily Roto, one of the things that's easy for us is the showdown because. Uh, we have showdown projections up for every slate. And so that's something a lot of providers don't offer. And the contests are huge now. And so you do need to consider guys like that for these showdown contests because a lot of these players are capable of shooting minus eight on the the course setups that we've seen. And you you have to get pretty deep in the player pool if you want to capture one of those guys at like 1% ownership. Um, this week, the field's loaded again, though. Top of the field on FanDuel Sportsbook from an odds perspective. You've got Rory, JT, Bryson, essentially identical. Rory 11 to 1, JT and Bryson at 12 to 1. Um, but those have kind of emerged as like the clear three favorites in the betting markets, followed by kind of a second tier, which includes Rom, Webb Simpson off of his win, and then Brooks Kepka getting a big price increase. Uh, so it's a star studded field. Patrick Cantlay at 22 to 1. one the of return. The new, the new names back. And then Paul Casey has done really well here too. Couple top fives in the past five years. He's playing in his first event back. I got torched last week by guys playing in their first event back. Hideki gone, Snedeker gone, and um, I'm I'm not sure what what to do with it. But I feel like I'm going to knock those guys a little bit just because maybe that's a bias on my part. But it seemed like there was a little bit of rust. All right, we're going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we will head into the DFS analysis per price range and break down one of the strongest fields that uh, this event will pretty much ever see. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? 
Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. (laughs) Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're saying right now? He's he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. Breaking down these guys by price range, um, you know, here at the top we have Rory. And uh, did you ever think you would see 11K Bryson DeChambeau at a full strength event, Drewby? I have to say, of course I did. I knew Bryson was going to be, <laughs> but I'm not sure everyone else knew. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's shocking to me that it happened this early and that like the ascent has happened that fast. Obviously yeah. not shocking for him to ever get there and one of the most highly kind of pedigreed prospects that was out there. So, um, but it was, it was a fast ascent, right? You like, he had like some peaks early in his career and then like a big lull and then just come out right, like out of the quarantine like this, driving the ball better than anybody in the world, gaining strokes on approach as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's deserved in a small sample. I, I just, you have to kind of like, I don't know. It's one of those cases where you have to make a decision. Obviously projection models are going to take a little bit of time to catch up to that you kind of have to make a decision whether or not this like two sample event sample of Bryson is what it's going to look like going forward, or if it's just like the the upside and Rory is still the, the better player than him. And I think that's a big battle between those two guys. Obviously in the two game sample, Bryson has played better in every facet of the game. 
better off the tee, better on approach, better around the green, uh, better putting. So it, it's tough to make a case against Bryson right now, especially knowing that like the distance will be rewarded again and knowing that he's going to attack things so aggressively. Um, I mean, I think Rory's still better, right? Like, yeah. like yes, Bryson has been better for two events. I think what separates them right now, never thought you'd ever hear me say this, but what separates them right now is Rory's just so much better with his wedges, right? Rory's, Rory's short game, um, you know, over a, a year sample or 50 rounds or whatever. Like, sure. like I, if someone offered me a bet right now, strokes gained around the green, Rory versus Bryson, like I would take Bryson or I would take Rory next 50 rounds for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the case. Uh, but you probably wouldn't have expected Bryson to be driving the ball better than Rory. Further, better, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Bryson will have more of those around the green shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been better on approach as well. So obviously a case to be made for both those guys. Also a case to be made for Justin Thomas, who's playing really good form. Probably has more balance to his game than any of um, the other players. Just a little bit better with his putter recently. Um, a little bit better on approach than Bryson, at least, and, and kind of more comparable to Rory there. So uh, those are kind of the top three guys at Looking at the field, I don't think the ownership can get too heavy on them because there's not a ton of value this week. There's some stuff kind of in the 8K range that feels easy to play, but there's not a lot of cheap mispriced plays. And so I, I would say like Rory probably goes off 10 to 15 percent owned. Bryson kind of in the high teens, but I don't think either of these guys is a candidate to get like to 25 or above. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you can profitably play Rory, Bryson, JT and Rom. For sure. I mean, I, I, um, I mean, don't, don't put me in a coffin too soon, but I just, I can't, can't really see myself playing Webb on any daily fantasy format this week. Like more expensive than Cantlay. I'll take Cantlay every time. So pretty much anyone other than, uh, pretty much anyone other than Cantlay at the, or pretty much anyone other than Webb there at the top. Like I'm playing Cantlay, um, you know, I not even really Brooks. So so Brooks and Webb for me gonna be gonna be off there. But nine point eight Cantlay, sign me up. Yeah, and I, I don't think many people go to Webb just off the win. They didn't go to Burger off of his win, and so I feel like he's gonna get passed up again. Probably the type of player I only have exposure to on FanDuel, just the way roster construction works there. You can get some of these guys lower owned. You can get three or four like top end players into the lineup. So that's the only site I could see that. Uh, Kepka is actually a pretty interesting scenario. It's just. One of those decisions, you know the projection models are going to take a long time to catch up. Probably a bit overpriced here anyways, especially with Rom right there. But uh, Kepka actually, I believe, matched Bryson last week in the field as far as strokes gained off the tee. He did seem a bit more like his old self, but um, you know, not as good of an all-around golfer as some of these other guys Bryson right near him. And I still prefer Rom over Kepka. Um, yeah, I prefer Rom. So I, I think my stances up at the top will be... Obviously, loads of Rory, loads of Bryson. I, uh, where where are you at with J? Where are you at with JT right now? I feel like I have a I have a hard time reading him, and I think it's actually kind of a little bit unfair to him that he is not mentioned. Like people don't think of him as one of the best players in the world, but like he's better than Brooks, right? Like, but people don't think of him that way. It sucks. For oh JT. yeah. I, I mean, I think of JT as a top five player, um, kind of right there in the upper class. I, I guess historically i've leaned on jt like in last week i was on jt more than bryson for example and um i'll probably be closer to bryson or having them equal this week and so i guess i've shifted my sentiment a little bit away especially with seeing how easy some of these courses are played but yeah jt is obviously live to win and i think there's a reason those three guys are the top uh favorites at FanDuel sportsbook 
Yeah, I uh, I tend to I tend to agree with that. It's kind of looking like, man, I and they priced DJ back up too. Like eighty five hundred dollar DJ last week yeah. was um was a uh, a big you know that was that was just a big building block. I I kind of think that I would I'll do is I'll just skip on Rose, skip on Morikawa. It's gonna hurt me. I mean, what what is Abraham answer gonna be this week? Like two percent owned now that he's uh now that he's expensive. Like nine k. He's like thirty three to one in the betting markets. Like. No, no, uh, no opportunity to exploit that inefficiency there. Yeah, I think answer probably like five to ten percent. Usually, you see, you don't see a guy that's like above eight k go below five very often. Um, but a lot of times, you see him in that high single digit range. I think that's where answer will land. And um, the name value of some of these other guys, like you talk about, people are either using optimizers to build lineups or they're casual players with golf the only game in time. And when you see Justin Rose, Colin Morikawa there, Bubba Watson with his course history, you got DJ right there. Like there's just there's too much name value to suck up ownership along with good projections. So, yeah, answer won't be owned this week. So I might have to I might have to give him the bump in the Daily Road Optimizer, actually, because, first of all, as what we were talking about earlier, you know, guys who are going to hunt for pins, like answer is going to hunt for pins. Like that dude doesn't care about anything but making birdies. So, you know, he is a guy who could run into one of those random 62s. I mean, we didn't even mention it at the top of the show, but Jim Furyk has the course record here with a 58. And actually I was doing a little bit of research on Wikipedia last night. And before, before Jim Furyk broke a record, do you have, do you have a guess on who held the record before Furyk broke it? No, is it like Davis Love or something like that? Dude, it's Cantlay, and he said it when he was a junior in like 2011. He 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 shot a 60 at this course when he was like 17 or whatever, which yeah. is uh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like the the type of course that like a Cantlay could be good on. Uh, it's really strong approach players. Answer did lead the field last week in strokes gained approach, gained almost as much with his irons as Bryson did off the tee. Um, so I thought that was pretty impressive as far as his play. Uh, I think he hit all 18 greens of regulation in that round on Sunday. So a little bit heartbreaking for him that like Simpson's putter just uh, torched that beautiful ball striking performance. I mean, imagine, imagine being Abraham answer about to have your breakout performance. You feel like you're playing just this incredible play better. Golf. Yeah. And, and you get beat by, uh, by Webb Simpson's putter. I mean, uh, do we want to, do we want to take a stance on course history, Paul Casey? I, my my feeling is between the two course history guys, Casey and Watson, you probably shouldn't play a bunch of both of them. And I prefer Bubba to Casey just in general. Yeah, I, I think Casey, I'm like gun shy after last week playing Hideki, seeing him come out like rusty or terrible, playing a lot of Sneds, seeing him come out terrible. And then I was like, there's no way like that was just so dumb in hindsight there was no way Snez was grinding if he's caddying for his like kid in Nashville so I'm gun shy on Casey because of that like he hasn't been over at these other two events and I'm sure he's been practicing a little bit but we saw some rush from some other top end players and it's not like you're getting a material price discount on him so um, I guess for, for me Bubba between those two um, I'm also buying a little bit more into Justin Rose with his comeback um, as far as guys that potentially I would like interfere with the model a little bit just because Rose has been pretty good uh, tee to green since he started to come back. So um, those are some of the guys that I'm interested in this range in general. I think the only case against like a Bryson or Rory is just that you need all your guys to be inside the top 20. And there are some really good name values in this field. And it is a course where a lot of low rounds should be out there. So maybe that if you go up, you can't grab a couple guys from this range. Yeah, I think I, 
I think that if you really like Rose, I mean, maybe you really, maybe you're one of those dudes who really likes Morikawa. Maybe you're buying a return to form for DJ. I think there is, um, I think there's going to be a big edge in going overweight on those guys if those feelings, you know, turn out to be accurate. Because the way I'm kind of looking at it right now is, it just seems like a stars and scrubs build is going to be more appealing as like the core of the way I structure things for MME. Yeah. I do think the stars and scrubs, it ends up like hitting opto builds for me because of how I handle projected caps as far as like the total cumulative roster percent for players. And uh, so I think you get a lot of low owned punts and you obviously don't get a ton of low owned balance players. And so even if Bryson's popular, like Bryson in a punt is going to be less uh, cumulative than two mid-price guys. And so um, that's one of the reasons in Optos I end up going Stars and Scrubs more than like my gut says. Like my gut says it should feel like a balanced week where if one of the top-end guys doesn't win, they're not going to hit the optimal. But uh, when when like reality kicks in, I usually end up rostering the top-end players more than I expect to. Yeah. Um, so down in the 8K range, Sungjae and Sergio for sure. Um, not probably off Reed. Definitely not playing Smee. Uh, def- definitely not playing Spieth. Uh, probably won't play Fee now. I-, I have a feeling the optimizer is going to want me to play Fitzpatrick. Uh, I'll probably <laughs> trim it back a little bit on him this week. Probably not super interested in Leishman either. So 8K range really looks like you know Sungjae and Woodland are are the really optimal plays there. Yeah, I mean to be honest, Sungjae feels like he's setting up in the same light as Webb Simpson as Webb. Last week. Yeah. Missed the cut. His his putter was egregious. Like one one of the worst two putting performances of his career with the number of strokes that he lost, even just through two rounds. His ball striking was good. It was not exceptional. wasn't necessarily at Sungjae levels, but it was solid and he was gaining strokes. So it's not like that was gone. And then we I don't know if you were watching Saturday morning, but Sungjae shows up at the range, misses the cut, still shows up at the range the next day just always great i mean what else is he gonna do what i mean what else is sung jay gonna do on a saturday it's not like he's gonna you know go out in charleston and go hang out you know like <laughs> that dude that dude is there to grind golf that's yeah. what sung jay exists for yeah so yeah i mean I, i'm going back to sung jay this week the values there is too good he'll probably i mean if i had to call it now he'll be 25 percent owned i think he's the candidate to get kind of picked up this week uh speed's not really good or not you know, Speed's not going to pop in many models because his course history is not elite here. Um, and then Sergio is just like, it, w- it was a great ceiling performance from him last week, but he hasn't been exceptional in the past like three months. So I don't think he's going to pop a ton either. Probably boost him a little bit just because his ball striking has been so good through the first two events. But uh, I don't think he's going to be a core play. I still prefer Sungjae out of all the other players in this range. Um, and I guess I'm a little bit more interested in Fee now than you are. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to go ahead and head into our break here on the Daily Rotor Hour on SportsGrid TV. When we get back, we will dig into some of the puntier guys on DraftKings and FanDuel, and we will also take a look at the betting markets as well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. We are breaking down daily fantasy golf at the Travelers Championship at the TPC Highlands. Getting down into some of the uh, value sort of range, uh, Joaquin Neiman, with quite the performance last week, um, ends up T5 at the RBC Heritage, but uh, that, that T to green game last week, he was he was on the answer level of, just felt like he was never going to miss a green in regulation. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was he was dialed, and it, it was three of the four rounds, too. It, it was like his bad round was still neutral T to green, but three of his four rounds were elite, including 
think the top top three and and the round three and then like a top ten finish on Sunday as far as strokes gained tee to green. So he was getting tons of opportunities. Obviously with that strong finish, he's seen a price hike, but uh, a DFS favorite, a guy that should still hit ownership in this kind of range that offers a lot of you know appeal to balanced and top end range. Dude, someone's got to tell Gary Woodland he's got to take the driver out of the bag. The, the guy's giving he's up. watching he's watching everyone else do it that's so funny because we were we, like i was talking on the show last week of like you know woodland on the less than driver courses and then bryson shows up and is just smashing driver off the tee and jt's hitting driver off the tee and then woodland's there with his uh you know his four iron looking like decrepit <laughs> old man it's like woodland why don't you just pick your head up dude look what everyone else is doing hit the driver he's giving like up two strokes around to like bryson basically just off the tee so that's on, so Gary. absurd. Yeah. Yeah. You can hit no, it, it, Gary. Is, I know you can absurd. hit the driver far. Just take it out of the bag. Um, okay. Hovland uh, couldn't, could not be more in. I think Hovland very similar to Neiman, just going to gain so many strokes tee to green. Like, I feel good he too. will win this year. Yeah. I feel good about Hovland in that, in that price range. I mean, um, the type of guy you would expect to be aggressive, the type of guy you would expect to generate birdie looks and, Pretty reasonable price fits fits stars and shrubs builds as like a second or third guy fits balance builds as like a third or fourth guy so those are those are good names i don't know if the ownership will follow um i feel like it probably will but those are the names that jumped out to me scotty scheffler if he plays this week i saw he was in the field to start but not play last week do we know why he withdrew no we don't know um so obviously there's question marks there as far as if he'll show up this week there's like covid question marks which is going to happen anytime someone withdraws from an event but he was local to to dallas so it's possible he just like stayed home after the colonial week didn't want to travel or something but you would expect a guy like that who's younger who hasn't made like 15 million dollars 100 million dollars you'd expect him to be grinding a little bit so i don't know it'll be interesting maybe we'll see some news um those were the guys that jumped out at the top i feel like I mean, I feel like they're going to be consensus picks, but that's where I'm at right now early in the week. I mean, I'm cool. I'm cool with, uh, you know, Hovland and Scheffler being my consensus. Like, I don't care if that's chalk. I'm jamming them anyways. Like, I, I dare the field to try and match my ownership on those dudes. Like, go ahead and, <laughs> go ahead and do that. Everyone, I'd like to see you try. Uh, another guy, uh, Joel Damon, just keeps uh, our boy. He just keeps gaining strokes. I mean, he... Uh, not not as great on uh not as great on Sunday this last week at the RBC t- uh, at the RBC where he fires the uh the seventy five but I mean you see his caddy tweet <laughs> no uh Gino he the, yeah. his caddy is really funny yeah so they had like the rain delay Damon was plus two through four holes and like he tweeted something out and his caddy went on Twitter and like basically made fun of Damon for hacking it around. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of a round, still like 14 holes left to get into contention. Just getting trolled by your caddy. Yeah, uh, he, he has fun. He has fun on the course. Um, guys, I can say I'm not playing. Kevin Kisner, not playing him. Uh, Jason Day, not playing him. Uh, Ryan Palmer, probably not playing him. I, I reserve I reserve the right to change my mind uh, on that. Kokrak, though. Kokrak, he's getting in the player pool for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I it's like two weeks. I've made these like fancy 5% owned plays on like Jason days of the world. And obviously it's not going to come through all the time. It came through with Sergio, but it has not come through a day yet. I I'm, I'm starting to lose my patience with 5% on Jason day. Probably be off this week. Uh, Corey Connors. I like quite a bit at the same exact price. He'd be Dude, the, the, the green game. So yeah. good. 
yeah, it's been good. And you know, those he's one of those guys grinding for a paycheck. So um, I like that angle quite a bit. Uh, I like Kokrak. I, I guess I like Ryan Palmer a little bit more than you do. And I kind of regretted, like, insta-regretted not playing him a bunch last week because he was chalk at Colonial because of course history. Goes to a course that sets up exactly like Colonial. And then he's, like, 2% owned. And he, he has a much better finish. The underlying metrics were good. He definitely ran a little bit hot with the putter, but the ball striking was good, too. So um, there's not a lot of great plays down in this 7,500 and below range. And Ryan Palmer stands out as one of the, the okay plays that I can get on board with. I think there I think there are some really good plays down here. And these guys are guys that have just been getting dusted by. Like, I can't go back to the well on Snedeker with a high degree of confidence. Usti, no confidence in that. Yeah, no, don't don't play those guys, but play <laughs> play the dudes, play the dudes down here who are just terrible at putting, but do the others like like uh I mean, you know, Fratelli, right? Why why are you why are we not jamming in Fratelli this week? Yeah, so Fratelli, he was was he the did he end up the low round on Sunday or was it he was like second or third, I guess. It might have been he uh, shot at sixty two Sunday at uh, at RBC. Yeah. I think he was the top T green performance too. Um and yeah, I mean, he is in the range where he'd be like a sprinkle for me, opposed to a core building block, I guess. Um, I don't know if the the ownership will be there or not. He obviously ran hot with the putter last week, but the ball striking was good too. Um, gotta gotta run hot with the putter though. So so my two guys, yeah, seventy five hundred below. I think you're gonna like one of them, and I think you're gonna think the other guy is a dust bucket. You want me to lead off with the dust bucket or the yeah, guy that you're let's gonna go like? dust bucket first? All right, Lucas Glover. $7,000. No, no. Dude, I love Lucas Glover. Okay. So, I mean, Glover has been... He's been consistent coming out of the break. That's something... Now we have a couple rounds. Something I'm looking for in a value play, especially. And uh, I think he gets it done kind of in all aspects of the game. Putter can be hit or miss sometimes for him, but I think he's, like, average-ish. So not egregious, not a top-end guy. And then the guy I think you're going to be on board with that I like a lot this week, who I think can play pretty aggressive got some of those liberal politics on twitter i know you're all about that so max homa i think is really good value play this week too could could not be more wrong i never play max homa and i always play lucas glover well this is this is a good week for max homa uh one of the few guys that you can find down here who has sort of elite off the tee play and can gain strokes on approach and was really strong at rbc heritage just was uh was off the game with the putters so i'm into max homa this week his official world golf ranking page just um it uh it, it doesn't make it move for me like i just think of i just think of homa as such a dusty bucket style player basically yeah um one just not really for me yeah kevin nah I, I guess would be interesting i don't know why he showed up for the first event and didn't play this week kind of falls into the same boat as scheffler sore back is um what he said yeah and he hadn't been practicing very much. So, I mean, I, I Kevin not an informed Kevin not be interested in that. I guess that concerns me a tiny bit. So maybe not a core play, but we, we are going to have to tease through some of these guys. Cause like the COVID stuff, I mean, you saw Watney, he, he had been tested before the event and then he yep. tested positive on Friday with the symptoms and the instant test. And so, I mean, you're going to see some of that stuff and some of the guys that have been out, you're going to wonder about them coming back. With, like, Watney, the guys who we had played with tested negative. The guys who had played on groups either side of him had tested negative as well. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't, like, some exposure and something that a test could pop up in the future. It's probably right. a level too deep for me to, like, knock guys who played with Nick Watney. But it's it's at least, like, on my mind as we're talking about this week. 
Yeah, uh, I, I disagree with you that there aren't more guys down here um, to play, though. Uh, like, Bud Cauley, 6,900. Uh, I'm in. What about what about noted data golf boy, Carlos Ortiz, at, uh, at 6,800? He fired a 63 on Saturday. Now, granted, he followed that up with a 73 on Sunday. Of course. But that uh, Carlos Ortiz is like... Uh, he's he he just is uh, he instead of being from Chile he is he's like he he and Neiman have such a similar game basically of of just tee to green and uh, when they make I mean he made 19 birdies last week Carlos Ortiz did like that's absurd 19 birdies and two eagles yeah that's crazy and he gained like four and a half strokes putting he lost strokes tee to green uh, wasn't hitting the ball very well maybe a lot of that was the Sunday rounds and obviously a lot of pressure in that round he's not used to being in that position but. Look, I like Carlos Ortiz enough. Like, I like him as much as the next guy. But I'm saying, like, conviction plays or guys where you're in, like, a single entry and you're like, oh, I feel good about this guy being, like, the last guy on my roster. Yeah, like, I would play Carlos Ortiz in single entry three, Max. Yeah, and I think I would stop at, like, Glover, probably. That's where I'm at. No no gamble, no future, Colin. Um, It's a... I mean, okay. Are right. we have even better plays down here, though? Dude, Matthew Phil. Matthew Wolf sixty. I mean, yeah, Phil sixty nine hundred dollar Phil at a course where. Uh, How bad has Phil been? Yeah, I mean, he's been really bad. But if you if you wanted to use a narrative on Phil, there's a pretty obvious one, which is uh, Bubba crushes here and at Augusta, both of which are courses that like theoretically should maybe favor left handed golfers, right? Because that that's that's always been the narrative for those two is that. I, at courses that are built to stop right-handed golfers, those guys should have uh, an edge. Yeah, and I think, like, yeah, Bubba is always, like, the sight lines. Like, the sight lines, the sight lines. He's all about the sight lines, and he likes to move the ball. I mean, the dude sees, like, a straight tree-lined fairway, and he still tries to figure out a way to hit a cut, like, up over the trees and back into the fairway. So, I mean, that's Bubba. Phil's obviously a little bit different, but... You know Phil's going to be aggressive, right? Like, and that's that's one of the things you have to love about it at six nine hundred, um, and the fact that, like you said, there aren't a lot of players in this field. I know that there's no chance Phil is going to pop in the projections, but um, he's probably a guy I, I'll end up taking. Want to play him at like you know like three percent? Because how mad are you when oh, yeah. Phil is t three on Sunday and you're like, well, I'd have got no part of that to hit me. And he'll never be T3 Sunday, but how pissed are you when he like opens up with like four birdies and seven holes yeah. and he's first round leader? And then, like, he totally ejects with, like, a triple. But it's, like, just for that moment of life that Phil can bring, I'll be on no, it a little bit. You, you are. You're, you are mad for just those few seconds of being like, well, could have had could add all that Phil. And, uh, you know, I don't have any of it. A couple of the other cheap Cam guys. Cam Champ? Are you in, you in on Cam Champ? No Cam Champ. Uh, this is the range where I start thinking of, you know, Russell Knox. Uh, our boy, our boy Doc Redman last week fired 66, 65, 67 on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, a, a pretty good round from him. Johnny Vegas, another dude down there that uh, I think you can play. Bryce Garnett, a guy who I, I literally think I play Bryce Garnett more than like Bryce Garnett's parents would if they were playing on DraftKings. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a pretty decent cut maker on tour. A couple of these other guys are interesting, but we are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we get back, we are going to take a look at the betting markets one and done and uh, maybe go through a few more of our cheap punt plays here. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the Deflategate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Great TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Colin Drew. Finalizing our punt discussion here you know we we wouldn't be doing our job as golf touts if we didn't mention the dude who won the outlaw tour event who is the number one amateur golfer in the world Sahith Thagela um playing in this event not exactly sure how he qualified not exactly sure if it 
sponsor's exemption or whatever. It's a fun little wrinkle. Slappy's going to love him this week. Have to imagine he's not going to look very good in the Daily Row Optimizer. I, I got to say, 0% play for me. Maybe I'll play him in Showdown, where I tend to build more, do more hand building. Maybe yeah. I'll get my exposure there. Yeah, yeah, he showed like a 62 his first round as a pro. Uh, Pepperdine player, went pro, played Outlaw Tour event, little tune-up, and then he's in the field this week. So um, he's extremely cheap, and he would definitely fit the Stars and Scrubs build. And uh, I, I think it's a guy, I'm, I'm curious to see where Data Golf has him as far as their world golf rankings for amateurs, because they do a lot more stuff with that now than they used to. And so I think they'll have more data on him, and I think maybe he'll be better than like a zero in the projection system. So I'm kind of curious, and... I definitely think he's a play that'll get talked a little bit about this week. Probably seem like he's going to be chalk, but then when it comes down to it, I think he'll he'll be no more than 5%. So um, type of player I'll probably take a little bit of a stab on. Other thing I think is really interesting this week. So Matthew Wolf is priced down below $7,000 on DraftKings. There was a time last summer where people were legitimately, they were legitimately arguing about whether or not Hovland, Morikawa, or Wolf was a better professional. Better. Now there's a massive disconnect between the prices for those three guys um and so I, I think that's pretty interesting as well and wolf the type of guy that can definitely go low whether you're talking about showdown or main slate um so i, I think not super bullish on main slate wolf i think i'm interested um but not like a lock button but showdown for sure yeah i i'm uh man i don't know like if I we're gonna, if like we're, gonna talk, we're gonna talk about it's if we're gonna talk about t to green t to green games I mean, who better than Matthew Wolf at 6,800 are we going to find in terms of T to green? Like, that dude strokes it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough, man. It's tough sledding down here. There are guys, like, everybody down here is, has either had poor performances recently, which is why they're cheap, they're, or they're, they're guys that I've played at low ownership in recent weeks. They've missed the cut, which is why they're cheap, and I have to go back to them. Or you play, like, these young you know, young guys who have upside but haven't done a lot in their career and are pretty volatile. So. I mean, you can you can make a pretty good mix of of guys this week. I mean, Vegas, Garnett, uh, those dudes there. Uh, but then also like Wyndham Clark. You know, like Wyndham Clark is uh, the, uh, the 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 like driving and putting. Like that's what he does. And then everything else is terrible. But like you know, if that if you get hot doing those two things for four days or even two rounds really right you know you post two 70s and then you post a, a 63 and a 64 like that's going to be more than yeah. enough, especially yeah. on in terms of dfs scoring and i would say like doc redmond i i don't think i played him very much maybe a little bit in round four showdown but um like his it wasn't like a fluke his performance his off the tee play was great he's gained strokes and approach both of the events that he's come back not the best short game player in the world um but 6700 like I feel like the underlying metrics have been there for him too. So uh, not the worst play as far as a, a value play. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I have to give, I have to give my, uh, my honorary mention to Adam Shank, 6,200. <laughs> uh, he is, Adam Shank is 500 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I mean, come on. How are we not betting that? Right. Man. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting with these events because it's, They've been the type of events that you feel like a 500 to one player could actually contend could actually and win, contend. but then they've ended up with like stacked, like really sexy leaderboards with yeah, all top end players. Best worker. Yeah. yeah. So and Morikawa probably went off. I would guess on the FanDuel sports book. I don't remember. Probably 33 to one where yeah, or be him in the playoff. Yeah, I think he was like a little bit less than 40. Um, so. It feels like a random guy could break through. I mean, I guess you saw guys get close, right? You saw like the Michael Thompson rounds and um, 
you saw Fratelli and stuff like that. Guys get close, not just not quite enough. So, yeah, maybe it is the week that one of these guys is able to shoot low enough because, like you said, it does feel like 20 under is going to be the requirement for the winning score again. So looking at the top of the betting markets here, I, I actually um, I, I think this is so interesting because what we're seeing happen is because the leaderboards have been so tight. Rory's number has actually been cut in half each of the last two weeks. He went from um, at Colonial the first week, he was seven to one. And now he is 11 to one tied at the top of the market with JT. And I mean, part of that is he's had these, I think he, I think his last two Sundays, he's gone uh, 78, 76. So, you know, that's not going to make people rush to their betting windows to, uh, to go wager on him. But I mean, I think there's a very good argument to just be like, I'm betting this like a football game. I'm betting, I'm betting three units on Rory 11 to one. And that's my golf betting for the week. Like, I, I think there is a legitimate case to be made for that. Yeah. So, so you prefer prefer Rory at this price to Bryson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I love Bryson. Bryson's the best. Just Bryson. wanted to hear you're, you're still a Rory guy. Yeah. I mean, look, Rory is the best golfer in the world. It, I, I just think that is that is objectively true. Um, maybe on maybe on Sundays, he's like the third best golfer in the world instead of the best. But yeah, he's still better than Bryson, I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right as far as the reason that Rory's odds have been slashed. It's also like the ascension of Kepka. He's been like priced up off of like the rebound there. Like Simpson's been priced and, up. And West. Bryson obviously has been priced up. And then like DJ Rose. So you're getting some like old school form guys priced up. And that's also impacting Rory. Um, I, I, I would prefer to play Rom at 20 to 1 over Rory. I, I think one of the best off the tee players in the world. Obviously, really good on approach as well. Can go super low. And the Tita Green game has been there through his first two events. Putter didn't click the first one when he missed the cut, but um, I'm I'm comfortable playing Ron this week and hoping that you know third event in a row he can kind of get it together. You can you can bet court like half a unit on Rom at twenty to one, and like also be betting other guys. I think if you are if in this event if you are betting JT or Rory and not in live betting, but doing it before it begins. I think you just got to be like, that's my bet for the week. Or, or, I mean, obviously you can do, you know, quarter unit bets on guys who are, are super deep, but like, I, I wouldn't be betting. Like I wouldn't be going into this week, betting Rory and then also betting, you know, a handful of guys in the forties. Like, I think that's probably bad. So are you going to spend on what well, sounds like, you would only bet Rory if you're going to bet a top-end guy. So um, for me, the top-end guy would be Rom. It sounds like you're going to bet Rory. And are you going to bet anybody else up no, top? No, I, I, have, I have placed my wagers for this week. And the highest guy that I have bet as of now is Sergio at 45-1. Uh, to 1. And, he, and he moved to 42-1. to 1. But I, I prefer... I think I'm, I this week, I think it's a little bit better to get uh sergio you know to kind of take your pick of like hovland connors damon you know whoever at coke rack you know someone in there that you like and then i think there are i, I mean when we were talking about the punts like i think there are dudes deeper than 100 to 1 who can legitimately win this week yeah yeah i think for the mid-price guys i think sung J M at 34 to 1 is probably one of the guys i'd, I'd just go back setting to. up the web parallel so it's just setting it up almost the same price too that you're getting so uh, I think Sungjae is a good value. You're not really getting a discount on him. 
But I prefer like Hovland's been priced up. Hovland's like forty five to one. So. There, so on on FanDuel, he's at forty. There are other yeah. numbers out there where you can get him at like sixty five, six to seventy. And I would, um, you know, if you have that number available to you, I would I would use it. Yeah. So um, Ben on at one hundred thirty to one, I think would be one of the longer shots. That seems I, like he's he's Benny. If you're listening, buddy, I'm I'm sorry. I am. Bailing. I really am. I love you. Um, you've done a lot of good for me, but I, I can't, I, I can't with him right now. Like we, we just have to be done with him. Right. I mean, you get, you gotta like monitor your exposure in DFS, but when like, he's a, not even gaining strokes T to green right now. Yeah. I mean, when a tailbox putter tilts it off putting, I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. It comes with the territory. Like the reason you're, you're getting a cheap price on him, but, um, if he's, if he's in the field this week, 131, I think is an okay price. I see him up there on the odds market, but don't have that confirmed. I, I see I see Redmond and Glover at 130 to one. Um, I think both of those are equitable prices. Like maybe you'd rather, maybe you'd rather bet them in T10 or T20 markets or whatever. Um, but like, where's the fun in that? Like, why, why are we trying to, why are we trying to grind <laughs> out? You know, like, why are we trying to grind out like two units at a time? Like, Most- like yeah, so I mean, it's it's Monday when we're recording this. Most of the books have outright prices out there. They don't get the T20s out there until later in the week. Think they take some of their action, sharpen up their prices, and then send out the T20s. And most of the guys that I bet outright, I'll end up adding to T20 once those markets are out as well, just because uh, I I'm a nit Davis, so I grind the T20s a little bit. Um, well, I would grind T20s more. Had I not been having a really good year of betting on outrights, You're right? Smashing outrights every week. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I actually, I mean, I even know this to be true. In 2018, I was, or 2019, I was betting T20s every week because I literally, I, I hit one winner in 2019, Ricky Fowler at the Waste Management, and that was it. And then it was just like, what's the point? But I have plenty of, you know, I have plenty of golf betting funds I've set aside from running hot so i'm not i'm not touting t20s here we're touting doc redmond 130 to one go and get it you know yeah so <laughs> you, you got any super deep plays for the boys yeah uh i mean i think you have to bet wolf at 150 to one or deeper uh and then this is the um the keith mitchell corollary when he won the honda classic at 250 to one can you like I don't know if I would ever recover from Adam Shank winning a PGA Tour event at 500 to one and not having invested in that. Like I'd be so miserable. So I, I am invested there as well. Yeah, I, I think the other price that kind of caught my eyes a little bit was uh, Aaron Wise at 320 to one. As far as like a sprinkle long shot, definitely. I'm, I'm okay not sprinkling that one. Low low dollar bet, but uh, he was the other price that jumped out to me. Um, okay. We have uh, we have one and done to get to as well. Uh, I don't think there's an easy answer this week. I think Paul Casey, Bubba Watson are going to be super owned. Um, I, I'm thinking about just taking Abraham answer because I probably I won't bet him and I won't have much of him in DFS if at all. So I'll just I, I can just get some exposure to a guy I think is good and can win there. Yeah, and, we we, we talk we talk about this a bit every week. I think couple events in, you kind of need to have your segment strategy figured out by this point. If you picked up a winner through the first two, then I think you can go towards the top end of the board and play some of these favorites um, or play like a chalky player that's a good value, like a Bubba Watson, guy that'll be popular this week. You might not really want to use him other weeks um, on tour. You definitely know it's one of the best places to use him on. The, but obviously, if you haven't picked up winners, you're going to need to make up ground. 
And to make up ground, you obviously can't just play the picks that everybody else is playing. Uh, you'll want to save up the top end players for other segments. And so I would avoid the top of the board. And you'll also want to avoid the super consensus picks like Bubba Watson, like Patrick Cantlay, possibly. So I think in... Oh, that, Cantlay is a good one. Yeah, he will yeah. be He will be pretty popular. So, I, I mean, I think in that type of environment, yeah, you're, you're going to like an Abraham answer who's probably never going to have like higher form rating than he does right now. Um, or you're going to like like a Tony Finau type, kind of sticking within the top 40 framework as far as overall official world golf rankings, but um, trying to get someone who's a little bit less popular. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening and watching to the Daily Road Hour. We are done here. Hope uh, hope Abraham answer wins this week. If uh, Patrick Cantley doesn't, we'll be back and uh, we'll see all you guys soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. 
Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.